Hey there, Analyze This listeners. It's Hannah, live from week two, day 17. So I guess it's week two and a half of quarantining in COVID crisis. Anyway, originally this episode was supposed to air in February, but then we decided to move it closer to our beautiful wedding, which has been canceled slash rescheduled for November, hopefully, maybe. So please enjoy this episode as I discuss wedding plans with our wonderful wedding planner. And um, yeah, just take a little break from the present by reliving the joy of the past. Oh God, I don't even know if that's something healthy to say. Anyway, enjoy. Hello and welcome to Analyze This, the groundbreaking self-help podcast that just can't help itself. I'm your host, one of two Hannahs, Hannah Hart, and this month we're featuring topics of love. And in today's episode, we'll be exploring the love topic by talking to my straight-up wedding planner, Emily, because I love her <laughs> and she loves love. So enjoy! Emily, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Oh my God, I love you too, HH. I know. I'm so glad that we met. Did you always want to be a wedding planner? Like, let's talk about wedding planning. Oh yeah, let's talk about it. Because I feel like I only meet a couple people who are like, I knew. I knew I'd want to be a wedding planner. I think it's something that you find organically, which is ideal, Mm -hmm. because it is an industry and a career unlike anything else. For me, I never like met wedding planners out in the wild. Like I'd always meet one and be like, damn, there's like, cause you see them like just on a movie once in a while or you Particularly like, you know, just the Jennifer Lopez movie. Specifically one JLo movie and then like Called maybe the like- the wedding planner. <laughs> yeah. Or it's like your mom's friend of a friend or mm-hmm. something. <laughs> and you're like, oh yeah, I know that person. But I felt like it was something that for me- it had always been in my mind that I was like, oh, parties, you know, my mom would be like, yeah, you're planning parties at age five. But it didn't occur to me that that was like a career path that you chose. So I feel like I just kind of patched together all the careers that I did have into something that feels so much happier than project management. Mm. And I was like, this is a great field where like, I mean, there are pros and cons to any industry where you don't actually need like a license. Mm -hmm. You don't need any education. It's nice to come to the table with some skills, but really like it's open to everyone, which for me, like that came with, there's a lot of gatekeeping. It's an industry with a ton of gatekeeping. So there's a lot of like. Unpack that. What do you mean by gatekeeping? So, okay. So in my past, I had always worked in like behavioral health research. I managed clinical trials. I worked in psych wards. I ran support groups. All of these things make for, and I'm obviously a little biased, but I think a great wedding planner. Well, I mean, it's a lot of crisis management. It's a lot of crisis management. It's a lot of crisis management. It's a lot of um, being diplomatic. It's a lot of being a liaison and... Also trying to like keep things moving in a way that doesn't feel like you're a nag all the time. It's just, yeah, I think it requires a skill set that is like complicated to say the least. And I, I really, yeah. Well, because I think that part of what that complication could come from is the fact that you need a skill set that both requires a strong logistical mind 
but then also a strong empathetic mind and to be someone who understands the emotional weight around the topic. Full disclosure, everybody, we worked with a company called Bash Please, and I can say it because it's my podcast and I'll do whatever I want. And I fired them because it didn't feel right. We weren't gelling. It wasn't a connection. And what I realized at the very beginning of the wedding planning process is that everything was triggering me, man, Mm -hmm. you know? And I thought that I wasn't going to be upset by having like kind of basically heteronormative wedding planning, kind of like it was a style of communication that felt like they were doing me a favor instead of I was a client of their service. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? That totally makes sense. And I think it's hard to even prep people for the perfect storm that weddings are, which my colleagues and I consider like, Family dynamics, finances, and just like keeping your relationship afloat all combined into one 12-month span when like any one of those things is a lot to take on. And the minute you start wedding planning, everything's amplified times a million. Everything that is going on in your life is put under a magnifying glass really, really quickly. And it's nice to prep people as much as possible for what that's going to feel like. So how did you then realize, you know, here you'd worked in psych wards, rehab centers. You'd worked with a lot mm. of people that have had a disruptive experience of hundred percent. How did you yeah. go from there mentally into realizing that you could channel this into, well, maybe potentially one of the quote unquote happiest moments of someone's life? Totally. That's actually one of my favorite things to talk about is how this happened for me. So I had some friends who were planning a wedding. And even before that, I noticed that people were asking me to officiate their weddings, which was always so flattering and fun. And I like dabbled in stand-up and I like love public speaking. And I was like, oh, this is great. And this is just a fun way to show my friends I love them. I will say, I find Emily to be very funny. Hannah Gelb is a person that makes me laugh. Obviously, Grace and Mamrie, friends of mine that make me laugh. All the people that I I really love and value in my life, uh, and I hope I mean, I don't want to be too forward, but I'm looking forward to maybe being friends when we're done working together. hundred percent. Maybe, potentially. Oh, yeah. You know? And it's a really cool friendship because we were like, oh, yeah, we went through some stuff Yeah, exactly. But like, you know, we did it. It was good. We're like, cool, let's be done with the project so we can just talk about our other projects. So we can be pals. Mm -hmm. Those are the best friendships. I can't wait. Um, Sounds great. So (laughs) I was doing some officiating and I found that In that process, I would get to see parts of people's lives, and I found myself in a role where I was, like, talking friends through this experience where I was like, this doesn't feel that unlike people who, I mean, not that you're in crisis when you're planning a wedding, but, like, stuff comes up that's extremely challenging. Mm -hmm. And uh, years ago, somebody that I'm very close to had a wedding, and it was a same-sex wedding, and it involved, like, complications with a religious institution that both parties had been excommunicated from. So we had to do a lot of work around, like, the family that was coming, how to make this feel inclusive. Um, I got to officiate, and I feel like during the process of, like, bringing this wedding to life, I was like, nothing's moved my soul like this. Because it's so magical to see all of these family members sitting in the front row, like, crying and loving their kids and feeling like, you know what? Yes, life is complicated. Life is messy. We are not all on the same page, but these are 200 people who really love you and can put their shit aside for eight hours. Is that possible? Does that happen? You know what? Do people actually put their own shit aside? Because That is. um, Listeners, let me clue you in real quick. I did not think that people would have the gall to ask 
not only the kind of questions, but make the kind of statements that they do surrounding wedding planning. Mm-hmm. I tweeted about this the other day, and I was shocked at the, the response that people said. You know, my tweet was something along the lines of, when your friends talk about a real wedding, they're like, oh my God, I love you, can't wait to celebrate. When your family talks about the wedding, they're like, your room block is too pricey. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And people were like, Telling me, oh my God, my sister's husband's family didn't even figure out how to get from the reception from the <laughs> venue to the reception. They didn't come. They just went back to their hotel. Like <laughs> just like all these choices uh-huh. that people, you know, and like you have to invite. I mean, not have to, but I will say that you do feel compelled to invite people who maybe aren't actively a part of your life, but mm-hmm. are members of your biological genetic family. So there are two key parts to this. One is a nice criteria for when you're creating your guest list. There are going to be some folks and you're like, nothing I can do about it. We're going to make the best of it. We'll see how this goes. There are some folks where I liken it to an airplane ride. And I'm like, if a wedding is six hours and a plane ride is six hours, can this person act right for six hours? Is there someone in my life, if I sat on a plane with them, would there be tears? Are they going to tell me about something crazy that happened at work that I'm not ready to talk about? Are they going to get weird? Are they going to get so drunk that are they, they got to push that little ding, button? ding thing? Are they going to treat the flight attendant like their personal staff? You know? You know? It's kind of a nice gauge. So, So I'm like, in this six-hour block, can people act right for six hours? We hope so. Not always. And there's like, you know, there's always going to be outliers where you're like, didn't see that one coming. Or shockingly, you're like, wow, guest of honor. Look at you. (laughs) You get all the stars. Look at you. The second part to that point is my theory. So speaking about like, you're, you know, somebody who they couldn't make it from the ceremony to the reception. They... My theory is that when guests enter a wedding, it's similar to like, like when I enter Disneyland, I'm like, my brain is off. Like, I don't, look, I'm 36. I'm not usually like eating 16 churros, like running into the turnstile, (laughs) bruising my shit. Like, this is not me in my everyday life. That's a different person. Mm -hmm. I think that people are going into a different world. Their brains are switching off. And they are becoming just a little bit special and helpless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit special. A and little bit special and helpless. I will say I f- have fallen victim to the exact same thing when I've attended <laughs> weddings. I've been, same. which is why you know going mm-hmm. into this, like uh, one of the things that I've talked about, really wanting to make clear is a signage at the wedding, which mm-hmm. is like today we stay here and we don't leave this space. Tomorrow we'll be here. The importance like, of it cannot be emphasized enough. It is the arrested development with the sheep. What do you mean? You know what? If you load a shuttle and you're like, the shuttle's going to San Francisco right now, the wedding guests are like, sounds good. They they were going wherever (laughs) you tell them to go, the wedding guests are going. They And they will go rogue. Some will go, you'll get the wine walkers. They got the wine taken off. And I feel like it's just kind of something that happens in the world of hospitality, which for me has been a learning curve. Like there are some amazing colleagues that come from really strong hospitality backgrounds And for me, like tying this back into Disneyland, I try and think a lot about how staff at Disneyland does treat the guests there, which is kind of the gold standard of hospitality where you're like, if I am, you know, lost or I can't find the bathroom, nobody's like, oh my God, the sign's right there. It's just, you're in a different frame of mind. What time is the seven o'clock parade? And you know what? No one wants to hear you say, oh my God, it's seven (laughs) o'clock. They want you to take their hand, show them where they can get the best seat. Weddings are exactly like that. I have had people where literally I'm like, I know this seating chart. I could draw this seating chart in my sleep. 
And there's people on there with titles like Esquire and Doctor. And I'm like, not worried about this group. They can make their way from ballroom A to ballroom C. No problem. No, no, (laughs) ma'am. And when they come for you, (laughs) and when they come for you, it's this wild look in the eyes, and it's this frantic, where's my seat? I've and never I'm like, been more lost in my life. Ma'am, you're a, a surgeon, a mother of five. You know, you've really made it, but it looks like you're having, and she's like, so you just you just pick a seat, and you just go over to table five? Sure. Yeah. But I, let's do this together, because it seems like probably the ceremony got you pretty worked up. And now you are completely in a different world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think that really speaks to the two sides of the mind that make you an effective wedding planner, which is the empathy to understand that, no, this person isn't operating from their (laughs) frontal lobes. They're Mm -hmm. operating from a place of like, not only like, I'm maybe emotionally heightened, but also I don't want to be the thing that messes this very special day up. That's right. A wedding day is really spinning plates, but it's as if guests have their own plates that they're in charge of spinning too. Mm -hmm. So they just are like, I'm spinning this plate. I'm spinning this plate. Where should I sit? Oh God. Yeah. And it brings up, like, I've noticed that I I feel like the families of the couple getting married, it's brings up stuff either about the wedding they did have. They wish they would have had stuff where they're at in their lives. And it's hard for people to not make it about them. Yeah, We wish that wasn't the case. And really like, I'm a big fan of just like showing people shiny objects and like helping them to have fun. If it seems like they're in a place, like connecting with parents is actually one of the parts of my job that I truly love. Mm. Like I really love it because I feel like the immediate response is to bristle and be like, you don't know my kid. Mm -hmm. I know my kid. I've known my kid for 30 years. You're not going to, you can't handle my kid. Mm -mm. And like when I have an opportunity to meet those parents at the rehearsal or we get to meet, you know, for lunch in advance, I love to give special jobs. Like, I I can't wait for you to, like, help me, you know, greet your family members that are coming in internationally. Mm-hmm. Um, because they do play a huge role. We want them there. They're important. They're VIPs. Yeah. And, like, that's a big deal. I can't say that, like, if I had a kid walking down the aisle, I don't want to pass that paperwork off to some lady I don't know, you know? <laughs> yeah, no. Who are you? It's very true. In the very beginning, we touched a little bit on gatekeeping, and I want to mm-hmm. tell I want to tell our wonderful earbuds, our analyze this listeners, mm-hmm. a little bit more about how we met, how you and I met, mm-hmm. and why I came to Heartthrob Weddings for your services. And we're going to get into that right after this. Hello, this is me doing a fake ad for Heartthrob Weddings. <laughs> Nothing's changed. We're just sitting at the table. I just pretended like we took a break. Have you ever had a wedding that you wanted to go great? Good. Well, you should check out Heartthrob Weddings. <laughs> a wedding's organized by Emily. She's really good at it. Check out Heartthrob Weddings. Cool. What's your website? Heartthrobweddings.com. So cute. Thanks. Love that. Thank you. Yeah, let's talk about gatekeeping for a minute. Wait, we're not back from commercial. Oh. Oh, yeah. Do you have a tagline for no. Heartthrob Weddings? Oh, um... My our hearts throb, so yours don't have to. Yeah, keep those hearts throbbing. Yes, and then they get married. <laughs> and then you get married. Check out heartthrobweddings.com for any of your queer or queer adjacent or you know straight friends that are getting married. <laughs> Bring them all. We love it. Heartthrob weddings. Now back to the podcast. Yeah. What I was really surprised by was how immediately gendered I felt by Mm. the very beginning of the wedding process. Mm. Um, Maybe I was just overly triggered. Maybe I just wasn't paying attention to my own insecurities around it. But anytime the word 
groom was mentioned or we were questioned like, well, how do you want to even do this? Like, there's no system. Like, Mm. what are you guys going to do? That to me was very upsetting because I felt very othered. So that's why I went to Emily because she's worked with a lot of queer people and queer weddings. Emily. Yes. So this is something that actually came up for me really early in the planning process. And part of what like, I guess, moved my soul for lack of a less dramatic term was how gendered this industry was. And just like tying that in to gatekeeping, what I saw when I thought about this industry was like brides and grooms, really pretty model people in magazines, getting married, Nobody, his, her written oh everywhere. Oh my God, his and hers. And just stuff where I was like, I guess like, I don't know. I don't join, I'm not in a country club and like, I don't look like other planners that I meet. So I guess not for me. And initially I would like shadow some people or help out. And I got an email that was like, I think this isn't the right industry for you. Like it's <gasps> not, you are not cut out for this. Whoa, whoa, And I whoa. knew because this is always coming from like, the, and I, there's definitely straight women in my industry that are incredible and inclusive and they have a great team. And then there's just some people that I come across where I'm like, I, I get it. You're not super receptive to new folks, but like I'm, I'm here to do things differently, period. Like I think that change comes from the inside and like this is an industry that has needed a shakeup for 50 years. Can you give us some examples? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Those changes. She's like, yeah, let me bust out my binder. Let me help you. I mean, so, it's everything, guys. It's even the form. It is everything. And so years ago, I was touring a venue and I had a, a couple with me and we went to look at the groom suite and the bride suite. And the bride suite was like this lazy. What, what are those? So every, I mean, not every venue, but oftentimes there's a place where like you and your friends can get ready, you know, do your hair and makeup, you can stash your stuff, you can hide out before guests come. And typically like in a perfect world, this is just a room. This should just, uh, this is the equivalent of a, room. it's a green room. Yeah. It's a green room for your wedding. Oh yeah. You know that. Um, and so I'm looking at this bridal suite and it's, pink lace with like, there's the doves and like everything is, I mean, I'm pretty fucking high femme. So I'm like, this is great. (laughs) But I was going to say your personal taste though, you must have been very happy. Sure. (laughs) Yes. And I try to not push that on clients too hard, but I was like, this is, yeah, I I guess. But like in my mind, I'm like, this is a pretty over the top room. They took us to the groom suite and it's like, Deer antlers, whiskey bottles, topless girls, all this stuff. And I was like, this is also really gendered. And I'm like, all all those things sound really fun and great. But like, if I bring people that aren't interested in this, should they just sit in the car and do their hair and makeup? Like, what's the move? Like, what if they don't want that stuff in the background of their photos? So I posted in a local planning group. And like, this was when I was newer on the scene, trying to make some contacts, looking for queer folks. There's not that many of us that do this. And I posted and I was like, you know, I'm just uh, looking for venues that feel a little bit more inclusive and a little less gendered if anyone has some thoughts. And I have never been attacked so quickly. And like, it's it's an industry that's really protective of its traditions and the Mm. way things have been. And I um, was asked to leave the group. I'm very proud of that still. What? For like causing, you know, causing, like comments are turned off and there's all these, you know, it gets very heated and people are like. For asking If they're like, if you don't like the space, then just don't get married there. I guess. So first of all, I'm sorry that happened. Second of all, how do you personally deal with that? Mm. Because part of the queer experience, you know, gay, straight, bi, whatever, Mm -hmm. or well, not straight, you know, but whatever. Part of the queer experience is. (laughs) 
or anybody's experience when they have felt very othered, mm-hmm. even though you might look exactly like how they expect you to look, yep. is to be pushed out. Pushed out and just, I guess I didn't expect it to feel as kind of lonely as it did because I was like, well, there's so many people who do this work. And part of it's like, yeah, we're all busy and you got to make the effort and you have to do the thing. But for me, I just knew that I would find my people if I just like kept blinders on. Like that was really important to me from the start was to not get distracted with messages about like, that's just not what we do here. And that's Mm. not how it's been done. And we've never done it that way. And I had uh, the momentum and the message because I actually had clients before I had a company. So I knew I was on the right path. Like I felt like I just kept getting hired for really great stuff. And at some point I was like, I need a logo and like a website because this is what I do now. And I love when things like that happen in life. Kind of line up. So kind of line up. And in terms of trying to bring wedding planning into the modern era, saying like, hey, venues, can we have it be a little less Mm. gendered in the decor? Not saying that if people want pink lace doves Mm -hmm. everywhere, they can't have them, but rather that the presumption that all men are a certain Mm -hmm. way and that all women are a certain way. Because even from the groom's perspective, I'm sure it would feel very, you're about to embark on a stage of your life that will forever change who you are as a person, right? You're about to be partnered with another person Mm. for the rest of your life. I think the last thing you're going to want to do is (laughs) not feel like yourself going into it. Oh, my God. Or to feel like you're just like a puzzle piece in some bigger thing that's bigger than you. And that's why I think it's so important to have a wedding that's like really representative of who you are. And, you know, doing that in LA, we're really lucky. Like we do have some great queer vendors. There's some spaces available throughout California that are queer owned and operated that understand like how to use pronouns. But it is, I mean, I'd say it's it's once a month that I have to push back and be like, I just have to remind you that th- these are two men for the fourth time. We've been working together for one year. It's going to, it's two grooms if you insist. And like, it's a really simple conversation. I, I mean, I'm fine with pushing back whenever possible and being like, it's just names. Just names and partner one, partner two will do it. Yeah. That's all we need. Not, I don't need to explain to you the entire gender binary right now. Oh, I need man. you to just call them the couple uh, <laughs> and let's let's call that a day. I will say though also in talking to my friends, especially like my straight friends, some of them felt very pushed out by the wedding industry. Mm-hmm. So it's not just queer people nope. that feel this. I think it's more pointed because yes, you know, if Ella and I walk in somewhere and someone's like, who's the groom? <laughs> uh, I then am like, it's Ella Dove. Come on. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, but I, I, my, even my straight friends say things like, oh, my wedding, I didn't feel like myself, or that wasn't mm-hmm. me, or this, that. And it's from the mother-in-laws, or the, the, the way weddings are done. In the, like, what, two weeks, maybe three weeks I had worked with this other company, mm-hmm. I had already been told about the way things were done. Yeah. And as a Hannah, you couldn't get me to shut off faster. Yeah. Then by limiting my choices. Yeah. And I feel like that's, honestly, that's probably most of my couples because that is how I move through the world. So I'm like, I don't care if that's how you've done it. We're going to do it a different way. And I think that's where like, obviously not hiring a wedding planner doesn't work for everyone. um, And it's not something that a service that maybe everybody needs. But I think like if you do have someone in your life who can at least advocate for you and maybe that's a best friend, maybe that is a mom. I will say the buffer has been really important for me because going into it and I've processed a lot more of it now, thank God, because wedding's only four months away. Um, (laughs) But a buffer in terms of things that were triggering for me were questions like, how are you guys going to do the ceremony? And that didn't feel freeing. That didn't feel Mm. 
that didn't feel great, you no. know? And what I really appreciate about working together is that you presented everything to me gently, like even like, okay, now we're going to go into this or how do you picture this or, or these questions? Because not being able to think about my sister's wedding or not being able to think about the weddings you see in media yes. and have a reference guide it's scary. It's not freeing, at least for me. It doesn't feel like, woohoo, camels everywhere. I don't know. <laughs> um, you can have camels if you want. I, you know what? It's really just too late for me to move on the camels. camels. It's over. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. I feel like in the span of a wedding day, you are doing three things that would give anyone a heart attack. You are promising your life to another person. You're having a dinner party for 150 friends and you're building structures, sometimes kitchens, sometimes faucets, sometimes we're there for like four days making a tent. Any one of these projects is a major life event. And in heels. And in heels. And in lipstick. And it's happening in seven hours. Yeah. That's or it's a seven hour. Not in heels and not in lipstick. Also very uh, cool oh, and great. Totally but in, fine. in your fancy clothes. I yeah. mean, like it's the feeling of, and regardless of whether or not you're an individual who wears high heels and lipsticks, lipstick, it's your fancy look. It's a look that says, Hey guys, I tried. This is what me trying looks like. And I can't think of anything more terrifying. So terrifying. And I will tell you, like. I feel like I, I never know which couples are going to be super excited about which facets. So for me, it's important to just be as gentle as possible because it's really scary stuff. Yeah. And there are, like, once a season, I'll get someone who's like, I have dinner parties every week. I know all the lingo. I know every single thing you're talking about. Not usually, though. For yeah. the most part, like, there's stuff that has come up with couples where I'm like, whoa, whoa, oh, my God. I didn't know. I had no idea. Didn't know. But like, you don't know until you're in it, especially with queer couples, like your experience in life, like things have just not always been the way that they are for straight couples. So yeah. like, I never know. I have to ask. I don't know if a seating chart's going to be a conversation that's maybe really challenging for people. Yeah. Or if a venue is going to be comfortable doing an all gender bathroom, if that's something you want for your wedding. Yeah. And I bring my own uh, bathroom signs that Ooh. just say bathroom and I tape them up and Cute. I don't care. Toilet. Yeah. yeah it's right here. Toilet. Water closet. I'm glad you brought up wardrobe if you want to talk about that for a minute. I do. Because that's a huge part of the planning process. People will sometimes come out the gate, queer couples, sometimes my straight couple. I, I never know who's going to be like, yeah, I cannot wait to get my wedding attire. But a lot of times that is not the case. Yeah. For many reasons. It is a part of the industry that is a pain point for all of us. Yeah. Because it's so delicate and... I mean, I, I, in a perfect world, like I love taking clients to one-on-one -on -one meetings for, you know, shopping for wedding attire because the minute families introduced, it feels a little different. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you know how different emotional. Things. Oh, yeah. I mean, regardless of their best intentions, any of us would do this to someone we love. If my sister, my sister has taken me <laughs> wedding shopping or if any of my other friends took me with them, you can't help but want to participate and want to impart their opinion and want to impart your opinion and want to protect them. And mm -hmm. I think that it's really just best for the individual to start experimenting on their own or with a wedding planner mm -hmm. or with someone trusted that is almost like a therapist, non-biased. There's no bias You there. want somebody who cares about you and wants to style you to the best of their abilities. But I think it's hard because we've all grown up with like TV shows or movies where you're like, well, you bring the, the 12 friends mm -hmm. and the 
family that looks the way it's supposed to look on TV and everyone claps for you mm-hmm. in a beautiful dress, like that makes you want to break out in high. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, especially if you're trying to, and we're, again, as you mentioned, fortunate enough to live in a city like LA. But when I think about our non-binary or, you know, really like masculine presenting family members that are out there in the country, like I wouldn't feel comfortable going in a Brooks Brothers. Mm-mm. Like you don't know if you're going to get hate crimes. Like how are you supposed to find something that you love, mm-hmm. you know? And so even without that specific kind of stressor, even having the resources and having the support, I felt really scared. You know, it's a day where you want to look pretty, but you want to, for me, I wanted to look pretty and I wanted to look powerful. And like, what does that mean? When I thought about our wedding day, mm-hmm. I'm always looking at Ella like that's who I'm marrying. So in my <laughs> mind's eye, mm-hmm. I'm looking out, not in. Or like I'm not looking at what I'm wearing. Yeah. That's actually so profound. Oh shit. And I haven't heard anyone phrase it like that. The looking in, I mean, just to like take it to that place, I do like always strongly encourage my couples to like go to therapy on their own or as a couple, just because stuff comes up during the process, you get to know each other in a way where you're like, wow, I didn't see that coming. That wasn't what I was expecting. Um, let's and it's not- money. And it's money. And it's money. I mean, I don't know yep. how people get married without couples counselors or like some some form of a mediator because, yeah. you know, just because someone maybe isn't excited about flowers doesn't mean they don't love you. Absolutely. And you don't know what it all looks like for them and what they've always thought because it's just, it's loaded in a way that feels impossible. And like one thing that I've talked about with you, my friend Marie is an officiant and she, we were talking a year ago and we were talking about like how to separate out excellence and perfection. Whoa. And how, when we talk about perfection, it's, uh, you know, like your chest starts to close up and your breathing's heavy. And I'm like, I'm going to do it wrong. It's going to be wrong. That dove release is going to be wrong. (laughs) Or like the cocktails are melting. It's a hundred degrees. It's Palm Springs. It's okay. You're still good at your job. Like no one's coming for you because the wedding starts at a 20 and you only go up from there. Right. So you're like, how does this feel perfect? And then you hear the word perfect in this industry. And it's, it's this disease that infects clients, venues, vendors, perfect. And something that I appreciated in talking with my friend about perfect is like, if you go to the most like pristine, perfect tea party at the Fairmont and nothing, there's no sound and everything's, I don't know, wherever it is, there's no room for error. It's perfect. It might not be the most fun three hours of your (laughs) whole life, but if you think about like, you know, you think about a concert that you've gone to or something where you're like, in my mind, it was per- it was excellent. It wasn't perfect. It was excellent. It smelled like, you know, it smelled like stale beer. Yeah. People were screaming. I couldn't find parking. Still an incredible night. And I feel like if we can start framing things as like excellent and amazing and awesome, yeah. that takes so much of the pressure off. And that's, I think, important to do from the get-go around a lot of different stuff. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That phrase, it'll be perfect. This mm. is just perfect. It's It is a very, it's a toxic standard to set. It's toxic. It's poisonous. It infects people's brains while we're wedding planning. And it's nice to just talk from the start about how this is a live event. Yeah. It's It's a a live live event. It's a show. (laughs) And even if we have those 12 months of timelines and planning and site visits, and these are some of the best vendors in the world, and we have them here in California, that's for sure. A tree branch will break, someone will cough, someone will be late, something weird will happen. It's still going to be 
awesome. Yeah, it can still be awesome. And it can still be awesome. Wow, that's even like help. That's helping me right like, now. Good. You're right. The way I'm, I'm going to let go of the expectation of perfection at all concerning the wedding. So letting go of perfect. Mm-hmm. What would you say are some other tips, tricks, and necessary evils that you have to accept when planning a wedding? Because mm. some, some people listening might be either pl- planning a wedding, but some might not be able to afford to do it with a wedding planner. Sure. What would be some tips and tricks that you'd want them to look out for? So I know this isn't available to everyone. It's kind of a state-by-state thing. If you have the option to work with queer vendors, it can be really nice. In particular, like, it's just nice to work with people who have a shared lived experience, who can kind of speak your language, who see you, who probably aren't going to ask you super gendered things. They might. Um, what about for our non-queer listeners? Yes, for our Just brass fucking tax, just man. brass tax, man. Okay, so, don't, so number one, don't take your mom wedding dress shopping. Uh, <laughs> you know, if your mom is someone who has an unbiased opinion and is able to just look at you and be like, Love Elevate you. And elevate you. Then great. Yeah, take your mom wedding dress shopping. I would say, so my spiel is typically like, and I I get inquiries from people from all walks of life because like I said, it's actually a really mysterious industry. Like I don't think people know a lot of wedding planners. I didn't. I was like, who's that? I think that it's shrouded in mystery. Because it's an unregulated industry, you're like, here come the quotes. Is it 500? Is it 50K? I don't know. Yeah. Like, who knows? Is it a 10%? Is it a 15? Is it a 20? Is it a 20? What's the the range? And everything can be upsold because you just stick the word wedding in front of it? Well, and I have a point about that too. And that's a great conversation. So I used to feel like I'd be like, so if I send an email that says I'm having a wedding versus I'm having a party, why is it twice as much? It's twice as long. There's twice as much staff, and the planning takes a year instead of a month. Uh, Because I used to be like, what is the wedding industry tax? Why is there a wedding industry tax? I'm like, is this like the pink tax? Are we all just being ripped off because of the W word? Until I was so deep in it that I was like, it is is so grueling and so backbreaking, and there's not a lot of room for error. Not that there's room for error at a corporate party or a lunch or an anniversary party. Well, this of all things is a live show. This is a live show, and it is one day. So unlike planning your uncle's birthday party, which might come in a bit lower than your wedding, (laughs) it's the work involved— the vendors involved. And for a wedding of 150, you know, we might have anywhere from 25 to 35 vendors. Your catering staff could be 35 people. It's, I don't know. It's a big shebang. It's a big shebang. So I think that knowing from the start, like doing a little research is great. I would say like, I strongly encourage people to not just blindly start Googling. It's great to talk to people in your immediate circle who've had good experiences and get some realistic facts and figures from them. I really appreciate those conversations. And when I talk to people who email me about services, the first conversation we have is that there are no bad budgets. It's just guest list. So if my budget's $1,000 for a dinner this week and I really want to treat someone, I could take two friends to a really fun dinner or I could take 20 friends, thirty, depending on what city you live in, out for pizza. Yeah. So I think like there's so much shame around the industry and budgets and, you know, are you going to get a Kim K flower wall? Like what, what is this going to cost me? Yeah. And I really like, I like to take some of that shame away. And it's really nice and special when I get couples who are like, I have X amount of dollars. What can I do with this? And they're open to me being like, how about a beautiful dinner party for 25 friends out in Palm Springs instead of 
stretching yourself, your sanity, your finances, your family relationships to the breaking point right. just to shove a hundred people into a figure that might not work for you. Wow. Bra, bra. I you mean, know, honestly, you just blew my mind. It's not budget. It's guestless. It's guestless. There are no bad budgets. And, and like, you know, there's definitely parts of my industry where I'm like, a lot of my weddings are like what I would consider higher end. And there's a lot of planners that work within a, ra- a huge range of budgets because I work in markets where like that just tends to be the norm. We know San Francisco and LA are just that way. But I am into seeing creative ways we can maximize that budget. Mm -hmm. And I love steering people away from what the industry is shoving down their throat. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, then we don't have flowers. We can do something creative. We skipped an engagement party. Right. Sure. Like, uh, nah, we'll save that. We'll save that money. Yeah. And it's always like, it comes with this. It's, you know, I can hear the the voice drops and it gets very shameful. And it's, oh, oh, it's X amount of dollars. And I'm like, For someone, this might be like a life-changing sum. Or, you know, like maybe they find in the process that their priorities have changed. That happens too. So I'm a big fan, and it's a little cheesy and a little woo and a little L.A., but so am I. (laughs) If you have a mission statement going into your wedding, core values, big core values person, why are we doing this? Mm. For what? To form your mission statement answering the questions, (laughs) why are we doing this? For what? What is it we hope to convey to the people attending this ceremony? Yeah. What are our core beliefs around this wedding that we want to? And I think for like a lot of my couples, they all come back to the same point, which is like, can we give our friends and family a break from this world for eight hours? Yeah. How do you help someone when you see them struggling because they seem overwhelmed or because they don't know what they like? So part of the reason that I offer full service planning is because I feel like it's not possible for me to separate out like the design elements of a wedding from the actual planning. I think the overlap is too great. So there are some people that do one or the other. There's lots of awesome companies all around the world that do day of coordination, month of coordination. For me, I think that for me to feel 100% confident that things will go the way I want them to, It requires a lot of sitting down and sifting through and getting clear on like language. So if you're in a planning stage where you're like, God, what am I looking at? Like, what is Pinterest? It can be a, a real, it's what not. What is Pinterest? Oh, it's not well laid out. It's so exciting. What is it? What am I looking at? Or like when Ella walked into, when we were doing catering and we were looking at set pieces, you know, totally. I wa- I've worked in food. I walk into a room filled with 20 different styles of fork mm. and I'm like, and I'm easy, I'm able to look through them mm-hmm. and be like, which fork, which fork? But, you know, for someone like Ella, like, let's say I wasn't there. And they're fortunate enough to be presented with a lot of different options Mm -hmm. and they immediately have no idea what they want. Yeah. What would you say would be the first thing that you would do in that moment? Well, the conversation I like to have is like, let's make sure that we're not going so far from your personal style that it's going to not feel like your wedding. Because sometimes I think there's a switch that gets flipped where you're like, time for me to go nuts. And you're like, (laughs) what is this? Like, why are there butterflies? This person has never mentioned butterflies. Or like, I think it's good to stay like close to kind of what you know. So in that moment, you're like, what are some things in this person's home? Mm. What are some things that are like representative of your style? And what feels like you versus what you think a wedding should be? Right. Because a wedding is just, it's just a celebration of you and your marriage. It's a celebration of you and the couple, not something that you are signing up for, not something you're trying to like participate in. A hundred percent. Not something. Yeah, that's right. So you're like, how can I express myself 
and stay true to who I am. And like, really, I like having the conversation that's like, if it's not like moving you and if you're not like, wow, oh my God, now I see it and I got to have it then we're not going to spend too much time on it. Let's find something that really excites you. Right. Whatever that is. Like if that's your hair and makeup, if that's, you know, whatever. Flowers, food, et cetera. Flowers, food, Maybe you're really hot for the chair. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah, maybe you are. But I, I like to like see what people are passionate about in that process and not make them feel like if it's not happening naturally, then, you know, maybe they're just not getting it or something. It's just, I yeah. mean, if you don't have a tagline for your company, I think your wedding, but ele- like you, but elevated, like the elevated expression oh. of your love and oh, like yourself, you. you know, like that's, that's just really, that's really perfect. Yeah. We, we want you to be the elevated version of you, whatever that looks like. And for some of my clients, it's the whole deal. It's the fireworks and all the things and as crazy as you can imagine. And for some people, like, that elevated expression is maybe it's more subtle. It's not expressed in tabletop items. Maybe it is, but you'll know if you'll that's know. you. You'll know if you'll it speaks know. to you. You'll you know, know. And you don't have to care about every single piece. You don't have all. to care. You don't have to care. No. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Before I let you go, I wanted to do a couple quick questions yeah. for what I like to call tea time, where you tell <laughs> me some titillating tea. <laughs> Have you ever had a couple who fought every time you had a meeting? Like, what do you do if a couple's like having some like mm-hmm. issues mm-hmm. and that are being brought out by the fact that they're trying to cooperate and plan this event? That is a great question. And that has happened. It's um, happened to you? Oh, a thousand percent. Did they get married still? They did. I feel like there's people who have communication styles that are really foreign to me. So one thing that I'm big on is like, I want this to feel fun. I really don't like it to feel like too much paperwork. I'm a big fan of like kind of breaking up some of that monotony. So with couples like that, I'm I'm also into like setting something up and then maybe we don't talk about the wedding mm. because I need to be able to talk to them and have fun and laugh and smile. And whether that's like sitting on a rooftop somewhere or like putting our feet in the pool or we're going on a drive, but like we've got to break this up because mm. it feels like every time we start talking about it, something's being brought up. Some communication style isn't working. So like we need to go have some fun. Yeah. But what about with their communication style with each other isn't working? Like, do you ever see one person get totally steamrolled by another and in your head you're like, oh my God, is this marriage even going to last? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I definitely feel like there's somewhere I'm like, I really want this to be a collaborative thing. So I feel like using that language early on, like I try and talk a lot about feminism, not to throw men under the bus. We love men. They're in our world. Yep. But I like to make it clear from the very start that like there's two people getting married. Right. It's great to be able to talk to both parties because what I have found and what is so challenging is that the groom will stay in the shadows mm. for 11 months. And in that final month, he's got some ideas Ooh, and he's got girl. some thoughts and he's ready and he wants, he's coming out swinging and he's just opened that spreadsheet from nine, you know? Wow. So I'm like, this is of course not all of, not all of the grooms that I'm working with, but I try like based on a couple of experiences, I just like to get it out in the forefront that I'm like, you know, I get a lot of, I'd say 99% of my emails are from brides, right? Yeah. Quote, if it's, quote. if it's a, if it's a straight couple, it's yeah. coming from a bride. Yeah. And I'm like, let's get this guy involved right away. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Can we please? Yeah. And also like putting it in front of somebody, like putting it in front of their face, like, have you looked at this? Let's start looking at it. Let's pull off the Band-Aid. Let's start unlocking some of those wedding woes. Yes. 
I have to say that you have kept my wedding planning totally woe-free. And in fact, you've given me a lot of wedding wow. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. That's the dream. That's the dream. Emily, thank you so much, not only for existing, but for sharing your existence with others by having such a safe space to plan a wedding in. It has been, I thought that my dream of feeling comfortable wasn't possible. So I went into this experience already protecting myself. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I think you've helped me be vulnerable again. Good. And I really, I really appreciate it. It's going to be not perfect. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. Exciting. It's it's going to be thrilling. It's going to be thrilling. Listeners, if you want to hear more about Emily and what she does, make sure you Google Heartthrob Weddings. Again, that's Heartthrob Weddings. You can head to heartthrobweddings.com. And if you would like us to talk more about wedding stuff, feel free to let me know. If you want to join our Patreon, it's patreon.com slash analyze this. And if you want to follow me, I'm at Harto, H-A-R-T-O. And if you want to follow our beloved Hannah Gelb, she's at Hizzle Gizzle on Twitter. H-I-Z-Z-L-E, G-I-Z-Z-L-E. (laughs) And we will see you next week, everybody. Bye, y'all. Bye.